is Connor Wegman a top half quarterback in the SEC? You are locked on Aggies. Your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome on in the Locked On Aggies. I'm your host, Andrew Stefaniak. Thanks for making Locked On Aggies your first listen every single day. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about Aggie quarterback Connor Wegman. I was reading an article today where Wegman was listed as the eighth best quarterback in the SEC, and that made me want to do a little bit of digging to see if, where he stands in the SEC compared to some other guys in the conference. So this list had the quarterbacks ranked in this way. Will Watt Rogers, Devin Leary, Jaden Daniels, KJ Jefferson, Spencer Rattler, Joe Milton, uh, Spencer Sanders, although I believe Dart's going to be the short quarterback, starting quarterback at all Miss, but we'll have to see how that plays out. Wegman at eight, Peyton Thorne, AJ Swan, Tyler Buckner, Graham Mertz, Carson Beck, and Brady Cook. My pushback to this is that a lot of these guys are unproven. Now, you can argue, well, Wegman's unproven. That is true, but you have to remember about Wegman. He did start five games last season, and he put up some pretty good numbers except for one game. And that's one thing I found about Wegman last season that I think many people kind of misinterpreted. He was impressive. Coming in as a true freshman, it, it's not often that a true freshman quarterback starts right away at an SEC school. Even a guy like Wegman, who was number 22 player in the class of the 2022 and the third best quarterback in the class. Not a lot of guys are going to come in and just start right off the bat. Boom, here I am. I'm starting. But Wegman, of course, worked his way into that role at the end of the season. And so let's take a look at some of his numbers and let's break down how Wegman looked last year and how he can take a step forward this year. So last year, his first game he played against South Carolina, Wegman was 8 for 15. 91 yards, no touchdowns. Against Ole Miss, Wegman had a monster game. 28 for 44, 378, I'm sorry, 338 yards, four touchdowns. Now, here comes the game where Wegman was a little bit rough. Against Auburn, that tough loss where the Aggies couldn't put up any points against a really bad Auburn team and dropped a game that Texas A&M just shouldn't have, which inevitably led to the Aggies struggling to be old, not being able to get bowl eligible. So that Auburn game, Wegman was 14 for 36 for 121 yards and one touchdown. That whole game, the offense looked stagnant. They couldn't move the football. was not a great performance from Wegman. But still, this is funny. I, I always joke about Wegman's touchdown pass in that game. I always call it like a, a comebacker in golf. We all know you get on the golf course, you had a rough day. And then on the 18th tee box, you smoke one down the middle and you go, Okay, I guess I'm going to have to play tomorrow. That's what that touchdown that Wegman threw in that Auburn game was for me last season. I said, this young man's got it in him. He's got to develop. He's got to turn it around. But Connor Wegman is going to be a really elite quarterback in this conference. And that's what that's what I learned from him last season. Now, two more games for you. Massachusetts, 11 for 19, 191 yards, one touchdown. And then the Awesome, big-time W over LSU last season. Wegman was 12 for 18 for 155 yards and two passing touchdowns. 
I think the reason that I believe Wegman is going to be a potential top five, top five, top seven, I'll get into where I think he, he sits in the conference soon. But the reason I believe that he falls in in that range is because he's such a versatile quarterback. He can he can run the football, which I love to see. It's not as he's more known more as an arm strength, arm talent, put some balls right where they need to be kind of quarterback. But he can run the football, and that was one thing I took away from the spring game. Actually, was there were some holes for him that had they let the quarterbacks run it out, he would have picked up some big gains. But I think what's so exciting about him is look at some of these games like I just read off. The, like a great example is that LSU win. 12 for 18, 155 yards, two touchdowns. That's almost like a game manager kind of game, in my opinion. Wegman wasn't asked to throw the ball 36 times like he did against Auburn or 44 times like he did against Ole Miss, of course, in two games that the Aggies lost. He was asked to throw the ball 18 times, move the ball down the field, and score some touchdowns. That's what Wegman did, led to a, a – a, a big win over the team that inevitably went to the SEC championship from the Western side of the SEC. So Wegman has, has an upside that is untapped, untouched. And I think we could see on display this year because, and that's the point I'm going to keep harping on. He was a true freshman last year. He was a young buck right out of high school. He had just gotten done with his last prom and now he's playing football for the Aggies. That's that's a tough ask for a, for a young man to go and quarterback an SEC team. Now we've seen it happen. We've seen guys succeed, but the argument is Wegman is going to develop. We've already seen it. He made some throws in the spring game that just got me giddy. Just seeing him put some balls right on target to some of these elite wideouts, these great pass catchers that that Wegman is gifted with. He made some great throws. He's going to continue to make great throws, and he's going to develop into a great quarterback in this league. You just got to give him time. But now, like I say, I already read the list off to you of the quarterbacks that Wegman is going to compete with for you know ranking position wise in the in the Southeastern Conference. So let's let's do some pushback. They have him at eighth on this list. They have the grouping above him of Sanders, Jackson Dart, and Will Howard. I. I've seen Dart play. I've seen Sanders play. I don't know how you can sit here and rank those two above him. I, I Sanders has won football games at the Power 5 level. So is Jackson Dart. But I think the upside here is untapped. And now this is another thing. In five weeks into the season, it could be a conversation we have again, and one of those guys comes out and runs Lane Kiffin's offense really well and looks better than the Wegman. Completely a possibility. But right now, if I had to, if I'm a, a coach at, at a school and I can pick a player and you say you can have Will Howard, Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, or Connor Wegman, I've, I'm taking Connor Wegman. And I think many would agree on that because he's young. He's got multiple years left quarterback in the Aggies, unless the NFL comes calling after these next two seasons. He'll be quarterback in the Aggies for at least two more years. And he's a former five star player. That showed flashes last season of elite ability on the football field. Then you move above him. Joe Milton, this is a tough one because Joe Milton's almost in the same kind of picture as Wegman in the fact that he showed signs as well last year. That one is one of those, I'd put them right next to one another 
on a rankings list because I could see that going either way. I could see both of these guys breaking out and being elite quarterbacks in the SEC. So I get why you might want to have Milton above above uh, Wegman. But the thing about about Wegman is he has elite pass catchers. The talent around him is so exciting. He's going to elevate the talent around him this year. He's going to make passes, and he's going to be the one. Another thing that's going to boost him in these rankings is the new offensive coordinator. We're going to get more into Bobby Petrino here a little bit later in this episode, but Petrino's done it. He's been there, done that. He has coached at this level and won at this level. So we're going to talk more about Petrino, so I'll leave that for a little bit. But that gives you a boost right there if you're Connor Wegman. And then Spencer Rattler and K.J. Jefferson. Spencer Rattler, this is something I bet I'm going to get a lot of pushback on, but he is just so inconsistent. I said this on yesterday's show. Spencer Rattler is a guy that he I always joke and say he can come out and throw for 532 yards and five touchdowns and just blow your team out of the water, or he's going to come out and just have a rough game where he throws a whole bunch of interceptions. So Rattler, once again, I'm taking Wegman over Rattler. A lot of people are going to disagree, but I just think the upside in Wegman is is, is, – the ceiling is higher. You could say the floor for Rattler is higher. I I agree that's a fair take, but I think the ceiling for Wegman is out of this world. K.J. Jefferson, I think, is a a better quarterback than Wegman right now. But I – K.J. Jefferson, he's hurt a lot. We've had years to be impressed with him, and he shows flashes. But at his point in time, quarterbacking in the SEC, it shouldn't be flashes anymore. It should be elite dominance. And we've seen it at times, but it's just not consistent. So Jefferson, I I agree with this list having Jefferson above Wegman. But I think that this is something that if Wegman breaks out, like many in the media believe he could do, that Wegman could overtake Jefferson in these rankings. And then the rest of these guys, Will Rogers, I'm really high on. I think he's going to have a great year. He's a great quarterback. Devin Leary at Kentucky's at two. Devin Leary's a great quarterback, too. It's going to be interesting to see how that system works with him quarterbacking. UK got the offensive coordinator back. Liam Cohen is his name. That he was he was at UK, Will Levis's first year on campus. Will and then he took the assist, uh, the offensive coordinator job with the Rams. That didn't go well. So he's back at Kentucky. And of course, he Cohen is the guy who turned Will Levis into a star. And Will Levis was, of course, a first round, I mean, a, the, or an early second round pick in this NFL draft. So I think Leary's going to have a big year. I wouldn't put Wegman above above Leary. But the point of all of this that I spoke to a little, I spoke to a little bit earlier, is Wegman's upside is a top five quarterback in the SEC. And if you disagree, look at some of these guys. That, that are ranked in the top five on this list. Will Rogers, Devin Leary, Jaden Daniels, KJ Jefferson, Spencer Rattler. There are three guys on that list that I think are definitely better than Wegman and will probably end the season better than him. And that would be Will Rogers, Devin Leary, and Jaden Daniels. But Rattler and Jefferson, like I said, I I if I was a betting man, I would expect those two to have a bit of a better season than Wegman. But I think it's within the realm of possibility for Wegman to outplay these guys because of the raw talent. He has so much raw talent, and it's going to be on display this season, and I think he's going to break out. And the thing to remember about Wegman compared to a lot of these guys is the players he has around him. 
he has elite uh, receivers, elite receivers. Not a lot of these guys have that. So the exciting part for Wegman is, is it, it's not all on him. He's going to have guys to throw the ball to. Not everyone on this list does. And that's another reason I think he could take a boost, a boost higher in these rankings down the road. And then my last thought on Wegman that is going to be interesting is he doesn't, for Texas A&M to have a good season, he doesn't have to be a top five guy in the SEC. Wegman can come out with the, the defense last year for the Aggies was great. I expect it to be great again this season. Not concerned about that. So the point is, if Wegman with this run game can just be a game manager, like in that LSU game, I think that LSU game is a great example of what we need out of him this year. If Wegman can just give you that, give you a, a over 55 to 60 completion percentage, a couple of touchdowns, over 180 yards a game, this team's going to win a lot of football games. Now, you'd love for him to have a few games where he's 36 for 47 for 432 yards and four touchdowns, and that's going to happen some. But it's just going to be really exciting to see Wegman back out on the field this year and see what he has in him because I think a breakout's coming, and I'm really excited to see how that plays out for him and the Aggies this season. What's Bobby Petrino going to look like as the offensive coordinator for the Aggies? We'll talk about that here in a minute, but first let's talk about our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best protein bar in the world. 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and they're pumped full of 17 grams of protein. The protein is what's so key in that is you, you want to have a quick snack that's going to fill you up. Built Bar is going to do that for you. I'm always a believer that protein bars, they're small. They're not a snack on the go. That's not the case with Built Bar. You eat one of these and you are filled up with good stuff, chocolate, protein, great protein bars. You should go give them a shot. They're keto friendly. I'm doing a keto diet, so they've been a big thing to helping me out. I'm down about 13 pounds now. You can find these Built Bars at Built.com, of course, their website, and at Sam's Club and Walmart. So go give them a, a shout, and I, and I will, and you all can thank me later for this recommendation here. So Bobby Petrino is the new offensive coordinator for the Aggies, and that has been a really big talking point around college football for about, you know, four or five, six months now. People saying, what's this going to look like? Is Jimbo going to loosen up on the reins? How's this going to look? So to me, my first thought on Petrino is, of course, there's been some stuff in the past. We know all that. But when it comes to just being a football coach, he is a heck of an offensive mind. He knows what he's doing. He's done it with different styles of quarterback. He's put a lot of quarterbacks to the next level, which, well, once again, that's why we have this talk about Wegman like we just did a minute ago. I think that Petrino is going to elevate him. But let's look at some at some of Petrino's career accomplishments and different players he's coached X, Y, and Z. So Petrino was, has been at – he's been at multiple schools, but I'm just going to highlight some of the main places. He was at WKU for a year or so. He was at Louisville for a while. He was at Arkansas for a while. And then he was the head coach of the Falcons for one year. We'll talk about that year. There were some interesting facts, which is actually a fun fact that I wasn't aware of. He was the Jaguars OC for a while, and he was the OC over at Auburn for a year or so. He's coached Lamar Jackson at Louisville and Ryan Mallett, which those are some – Big name quarterbacks. I mean, of course, Lamar Jackson just signed a mega deal 
for lots and lots and lots of money to keep being a to be a Baltimore Raven for longer. And so you you but what's interesting is that he can coach different styles of quarterback. A lot of coaches they have their ways. They have their quarterbacks. They're like, I want a pocket passer. I want a guy who can run the RPO. I want a guy who can just run the football, flat out run the football and do it at a high level. Petrino is exceptional in the way that he can build an offense around the players that he has. And that's what I'm really looking forward to see with Wegman. Petrino is going to build an offense for Connor Wegman for him to succeed in with these elite pass catchers in this elite running back room and a lot of the different variables there, he's going to make this offense flow well. I'm not worried about Petrino's play calling. What I'm worried about in this situation, which is what many are concerned about and many are questioning, is how is this dynamic going to work with Coach Fisher, the former, obviously, play caller and head coach. Coach Fisher has been calling his own plays for a long time. People are starting to figure into that. Are starting to figure it out. We see this happen in the SEC. We see this happen all over college football. A coach has their offense; they run it forever and ever and ever. People get wise to it. That's what's kind of happened with Jimbo. He used to. I I always think this is kind of funny. I read this somewhere that Jimbo's uh, playbook is like the menu at Cheesecake Factory. I mean, that thing. If you pick that thing up, you might you don't have to hit arms in the gym for a week because it's about four hundred pounds. That's how Jimbo's playbook is. It's deep. And, and the thing about his playbook is it just it hasn't worked well lately. It hasn't panned out. There's been some different variables that have led to this. But at the end of the day, as a coach, you got to fight through those variables. And Jimbo last year was, you know, was a great example. He wasn't able to do that. He brings in Petrino, incredible offensive mind. Can't trust that enough. And Petrino is going to be a guy who's going to come in. I think he's going to fix this offense. I think he's going to help get the best out of Connor Wegman. And that is one of the reasons why I'm so high on Wegman this season. He has an offensive mind around him that is going to help him dominate this conference. The only thing that like, and this has been, this has been the talking point around the conference is will Jimbo, it, it, let's say opening, opening game of the season, Jimbo doesn't like something Petrino calls. I'm sure they're going to communicate between each other. And I'm sure Jimbo's still going to have some, well, for sure Jimbo's still going to have some input on the offense. But let's say Coach Petrino calls something and Jimbo's kind of like, I don't like that here. I don't like that on third and two. I don't like that on, on second and 12. I want to run something different. What's he going to do? Is that going to cause conflict? Is that going to cause some kind of sideshow act for the season? The Aggies don't want to see that happen. So you have to hope this dynamic between these two prolific coaches works out well. And I foresee that happening. I think this is going to be a great dynamic, and I think this is going to put Texas A&M back in a spot that they want to be, especially after a drastically horrible end to last year's season going 5-7 and seven with that team. So I think this was a home run hire. Many people have been on the fence about it. I think it's a great hire. And I'm really excited to see how Coach Petrino does his first year coaching the offense down at College Station. So let's talk a little bit about A&M baseball. That's right. It's a big weekend for the Texas A&M Aggies baseball team. It's been a disappointing season. There's no debate to it. But that's part of playing in the SEC in any sport. Baseball, basketball, football. It's a gauntlet. It's going to be a gauntlet 
when you get into conference play every single time. And Texas A&M started as a team many thought were going to go go to Omaha again this year. Of course, they went last year. Many thought this team was going to be amazing. Multiple vari- variables just didn't pan out. A lot of times when you see stuff like this happen, there's lots of injuries. You, you know, you, you lose two starting pitchers. You lose your center fielder, X, Y, and Z. A&M hasn't had a ton of injuries. It's just been – they haven't been great. But you look at the record, 13-22 on the year. They had a, they won their series against Florida two weekends ago, which had me thinking this team's going to make a run to potentially be a two uh, – definitely a three, maybe a two seed in the regional. Then last weekend, lose a series at home against um, Alabama. That series was killer. Alabama's not a bad baseball team. But losing that series at home, it hurts. It, that's killer. And so in SEC baseball, we always talk about it as a magic number. Any of you professional baseball fans out there, you all know what a magic number is. And we talk about the 14-win mark being the magic number for SEC. They put up, they always put these graphics when you watch the ball games of the different statistics and the different numbers and what they mean. In SEC baseball, if you win 14 games in conference, your chances of making the postseason are very, very high. In essence, if you win 14 games in your in the SEC, you are going to make the postseason. Right now, 12 and 15, with one series remaining against Mississippi State. Meaning, and you have well, you, meaning you have to win that series. The Aggies are going to have to hit the road and head down to Mississippi to play two years ago's national champion. Mississippi State's not a great ball club, but they're coming off the highest of highs as they just knocked off LSU at their home field, beating them 2-1 to one in the series there at the box. So they're on, they're on a high. Now, sometimes we've seen in all sports, the team comes off, off they're on a high, and they're going to come off it and crash hard in, the, in a major way. That could be the case for Mississippi State. And if as an Aggie fan, that's what you got to hope for. But Texas A&M is going to be hitting the road, heading down to Mississippi, hoping to take two of three and lock themselves in as a tournament team. The thing about SEC baseball, and I am a big believer in this, once SEC teams get out of conference play and get into their regionals, spread across the world, wherever they're, or spread across the United States, wherever they're going to play in a regional, SEC teams dominate. Look at the flag behind me. Let's count this. One, two, three, four. There are eight teams in the College World Series. Four of them last year were SEC teams, with with your Texas A&M Aggies being one of them. This is what happens every year. The SEC dominates in the postseason because it's a gauntlet. They're used to playing other SEC teams. Then you get out, you play an ACC team, you play a Big Ten team, you play one of these group of five schools that has has a good baseball program. And the SEC wins more than they lose because they played 30 games against the best teams in the conference. I think that's in store for the Aggies if they can get past Mississippi State this weekend. And then, of course, stuff can go right at the SEC tournament down, down there in Alabama. So there's, there's lots of different thing, ways that the Aggies can make this work. But you would love to just take two or three this weekend and secure yourself or a sweep and – for sure, secure yourself a spot in the postseason. This baseball team, it's not been great, but like I said, the, the point I'm trying to push push home is that if they can just get to the postseason, 
they can make this work. They can beat a team that had a good regular season and in their regional, go to their place, knock them off, and move into a super. It can happen. If you are as an SEC team, if you can just get out of the SEC, if you can just get into the field of 64, you always have a chance. So I think that could be in store for the Aggies, but it all starts this weekend with a big, big, big series going on in Starkville, Mississippi. So you got to hope that Texas A&M is able to pull out the big victory. If they're able to do that, they're going to be dancing into the postseason of college baseball and looking to potentially make another run to Omaha. That would be a ton of fun. It would take a lot from this team, but once again, when SEC teams get out of the SEC, anything is possible. And that is soon to be possible for the Aggies if they're able to take care of their business against Mississippi State. That's going to do it for us today. We will see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Aggies.